you're invited to the block party. Here's your host, Ben Curtis and Kevin F. McNulty. Welcome in to episode four of Block Party. I'm Kevin F. McNulty, joined by my friend Ben Curtis, and we are going to get into the future of Maryland Volleyball today, Ben. We have sort of a unique situation. We have a recruiting class from last year, the 2020s, that haven't been on the floor yet because there haven't been any games. We're expecting them to play in the spring. And now we have a new recruiting class signed on National Signing Day a couple weeks back in mid-November. So it's pretty exciting time for us to talk about the future. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, we're, we're getting into the possibility of hopefully getting to a season sooner rather than later. We were off for a little Thanksgiving hiatus. Hope you had a a good Thanksgiving, Kevin, and I hope everyone who's listening did too. But uh, yeah, a lot to talk about in the future. And this episode is going to be a little different because, Kevin, how many interviews do we usually have in an episode? Well, usually it's been one. But how many do we have but today? You're right. Today's going to be a little different. We have two. We, we have two interviews. Adam Hughes and one of the 2020 recruits, now a freshman on Maryland Volleyball, Sydney Dollar. You sat down with her last weekend. Um, so these were. Both recorded before the Thanksgiving holiday. Now we're back to record after the Thanksgiving holiday. And Maryland has been, you know, jumping around, trying to get practices in all fall, had a regular practice schedule, and now they're on hiatus again until the new year. So you have to wonder how that might impact their preparation uh, for the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's backwards from what, Adam Hughes is used to and what the rest of college volleyball is used to. We've been talking about that all fall, how normally this would be game time and how coaches usually try to schedule backwards and work backwards time-wise from a first game in, in the start of the fall. And now that we have to do that in the spring and Christmas holiday comes into that and winter break comes into that, how Adam Hughes and the Terps and how everyone around the Big Ten and around college volleyball deals with that. So Maryland on hiatus right now, but uh, they'll certainly be back relatively soon and hopefully with a schedule sooner rather than later. Yeah, we've been hearing that schedules might be coming out for these fall sports that are playing in the spring sometime in early December. Um, and that will certainly be exciting because it'll feel a little bit more like season is going to happen and it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, in terms of what we're expecting with the schedule, um, it's been floating around that they will uh, be playing all within the Big Ten. Uh, we discussed that a little bit, me and you, about how that might impact Maryland, uh, normally in the middle of the pack uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, they like to, you know, boost the resume during the non-conference season. They're not going to have that opportunity this season. Yeah, and we, we talked with Rachel Blount uh, in the Minneapolis, should I say, Star Tribune, uh, last episode about what that might mean for the Big Ten as a whole if, if they go all conference only, which is likely going to happen, uh, 22 games in all likelihood, all packed within the conference. Uh, it, it's an opportunity, like we said, and it's a challenge. Uh, so hopefully when we get that schedule soon, Kevin, like you said, other fall sports starting to talk about rolling out their schedule in the near future and when a schedule does drop, uh, you know that we're going to be talking about it on Block Party because there's going to be a lot to dissect when we do get those dates and times and opponents. Yeah, absolutely. And it was very exciting when we finally got college basketball scheduled a couple weeks ago, and now that's playing out and playing out in an interesting way. Uh, so we might have a little preview of what a volleyball season might look like. You know, we have men's basketball scrambling for 
to play games right now, trying to get in some sort of non-conference season. And, you know, when we move into volleyball, it's only going to be within the Big Ten, so it might be easier. Um, but we do know, Adam Hughes talked about it, I think we talked about it in our interview as well, that they're going to be playing back-to-back with, with top teams in the conference. They're going to be back-to-back against, you know, wherever they travel uh, for an away game, Friday, Saturday. And those are going to be the only two uh, matches that they'll play against any given opponent. So that will certainly be different for you know, the three freshmen that are coming in never experience the normal while well, you travel to an away game, for, uh, you know, Friday and you travel again Saturday or you have two different teams Friday and Saturday at home. They're going to get a whole new experience and then probably have to shift again, uh, you know, as, as they move forward into 2021, what that might look like shifting back to that normal schedule. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this year is going to be weird. Um, we've, we've talked about it over and over again. And when we talked with Nicole Alford, she said that she was excited at the possibility of the younger players getting to eventually play a normal season. And that will happen. That will happen. These class of 2020 players that we would talk about will play a normal Big Ten volleyball season at some point in their college volleyball careers, the way that we did it in 2019 and 2018 and 2017 and years before. That will happen. It won't happen this year. What will happen is that teams are going to need to resist the urge to be streaky because when Minnesota comes to town, if Minnesota comes to town, say, and a group of freshmen has to play Minnesota on a Friday night and then again on a Saturday night, that's going to be an incredibly difficult challenge or a Wisconsin team or a Nebraska team or anything like that. That's going to be a really, really tough challenge. And so it's going to be a really big coaching job on the part of Adam Hughes to make sure that his team is up for a potential back-to-back against any team in the Big Ten because we've talked before, we talked about it in our Big Ten preview episode last time out, there is no easy win in the Big Ten. And so back-to-backs, every single opponent is going to be a really, really tough ask. No, and if that's the situation, it should be a very interesting 24 hours between, you know, match one and match two, you know. Adam Hughes loves looking at analytics, you know, uh, who's going to be fresh on Saturday uh, right after that. And how are you going to attack people up the middle at at the net offensively? How does it look? Um, That's going to be a a total adjustment because you're going to see the exact same team again. Uh, So without further ado, let's throw it to our interview with Adam Hughes. We talked about a bunch, including his upcoming 2021 recruiting class. So we are here once again with Maryland head coach Adam Hughes. Adam, a big day last week, uh, National Signing Day. You were able to bring in three new players uh, to College Park. We'll get into each individual player in a little bit. But first, how has the recruiting process changed in terms of identifying players, scouting them, and then you know, eventually trying to bring them into College Park in this new, this new age of COVID? Yeah, well, so th- this class is a little bit unique in the sense that uh, some of them have been committed for some time, um, and, and it's been a longer process. So... You know, uh, you know, a few of them have been since their freshman, sophomore years. The NCAA changed rules uh, about a year ago, and that's actually slowed down the recruiting process for later classes. So the 2022s, the next uh, group coming in, um, have had to wait a long time to communicate with coaches. Uh, they haven't been able to take visits. They were waiting until August 1 of this year to start that process and come uh, check out campuses. And COVID has obviously crushed that. You know, we're in a dead period here. Um, there's been assumptions that it's going to go uh, beyond January, potentially even into April. You know, basketball is discussing that. So 
it's really uh, impacted this a lot. That class is uh, the next on deck waiting to make some decisions. So I feel pretty good about the 21s where their process was. Um, not many of them. Some of them have had some challenges, um, not necessarily our kids, but just because of COVID, but it is definitely a lot different than it used to be. You talked about uh, a couple of 21s uh, being committed for a while. I remember last year when I, the freshman on your on your squad now, uh, Sid Dollar, I believe, was here a semester early. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Um, so is, is there any plan to, ha to have them involved at all uh, this this academic year, or are they going to be arriving yeah. at fall as planned? So when uh, in previous years, they were able to take visits, and they got to know each other based on, uh, you know, being on campus and um, they're a big part of each other's uh, recruiting process you know when they get to hang out for a weekend get to know each other I think social media has also changed the game you know so even in the 22 class when you're recruiting kids a lot of them are talking behind uh, you know um, you know privacy walls where they're DMing each other and just trying to get to know each other um, it's an important thing you know you're not just committing to a program you're also committing with a group of people and they kind of want to know who their class is going to be so you know, Sid's an interesting case study where she did come in a semester early. She's had a wild ride. Uh, we got sent home in March because of COVID. Um, you know, we were joking that she was going to be the one to help the incoming kids know kind of how this process worked, let them know where classes are. Um, but, you know, it's been, a, it's been a struggle in the sense that this is a new, new way of going about it. So um, she has been in touch with a lot of them. You know, I think she's really close with a few of them. And, you know, we'll still ask her to be a leader for this group when she gets here. All right, and I think it's time we jump right into the three recruits you have in this recruiting class signed last Wednesday on National Signing Day. We'll start with Aaron Morrissey, uh, outside hitter from Plant High School in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Adam, what, what excites you about Aaron Morrissey? Yeah, so I, what excites me uh, about Aaron, one, is as a, as a human, hardworking kid, you know, uh, she's a little bit late to start volleyball. She's a, a really good athlete. Um, she played a number of other sports growing up and was trying to catch up a little bit with volleyball. And we were fortunate enough to see that process through the recruiting period that we were, you know, evaluating her. We had her at camp um, and she just, she was great. She was really, really good, very receptive. And you could tell that she had a hunger to, to you know, become a special player. So we love her athleticism. Uh, I think she's got a really good arm, an elite arm, the potential to score a lot of points for us. And she's really uh, focused her own development in trying to become a six-rotation player. Um, she's played on the left a little bit. She's played on the right a little bit. You know, we're not going to put her in the middle by any means, but that, that versatility is something that's really important. Um, and you learn that with needing depth of your class. You need to be able to shift. And, you know, what you don't want to have to do is uh, have one injury lead to, you know, a mass chaos of your roster. So, you know, she, she brings a lot to the table. You know, we're hoping in time she'll be a six-rotation player for us. Um, we're hoping that she can score some points and, uh, you know, we just love the track of, of where her development is. And you were also able to bring in Aaron Engel from St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, I grew up in South Florida. I went to high school in South Florida. And it seems like every coach I talk to in any sport, either in high school or a college coach trying to recruit, just has the best things to say about kids from Aquinas. I mean, it's a ridiculous athletic program. Michael Irvin went there. The Bosa brothers went there. And it seems as yep. though every coach I talk to says these kids, yes, have the talent but they're so coachable, they're so hardworking. Is that the sense you get from Aaron? Yeah, 100%. You know, Aaron is another one that was with uh, Aaron Morris at summer camp. And uh, we are trying to build out a full roster. So we needed setting, we need a little bit of defense. And Aaron is a very good setter. And we asked her for drill purposes in summer camp, will you work in as a defender? We kind of need somebody. 
And next thing you know, we're like, man, this is really impressive. She can do a little bit of both. And there was no hesitation to it. You know, she, she was, hey, I'm all in on that. So we had a former player uh, a few years back, Abby Bentz, who I would say is similar in that, where she was a setter, she was a hitter, she did everything for her club program. And that versatility really helped us a lot. Her senior year, Abby was one of our best passers. And so we're looking at Aaron in that kind of same capacity. I think she could set for us. I think she could play defense for us. You know, we're going to work on service even. and hopefully she's, uh, you know, a threat in a, a variety of ways. And Adam, final recruit for this class, Milan Gomillion, the defensive specialist libero, local kid from Capitol Heights, Maryland. Uh, what do you see in her? Uh, I think Milan's going to be special. You know, she's a, an incredible uh, athlete. She's a little bit smaller, but very quick. Um, just has great vision. Is ahead of the play at all times. You know, she reads really well. Um, she moves well, and uh, you know, I think she's going to be a very, very special about. So, she's someone that uh, you know from the area is very important, as Coach Loxley talks about. You know, wanting to own the DMV. Um, she's one of the best liberos I think to come out of this area in a very, very long time. And you know, we had to defend ourselves against some of the best uh, programs in the country. And uh, you know, we're really proud that she she's. Uh, going to represent our state. And uh, Adam, Milan was a, a four-sport athlete in high school, played a lot pretty much all season. When you're trying to recruit players, how much does that help? What are the biggest advantages when you look at players playing multiple sports in high school? Then what are some of the bigger drawbacks? Yeah, it's kind of funny you say that. Um, Milan uh, loves to be an outside hitter. You know, for a high school team, that's what they asked her to do because she's a really good player and it allows her to do a little bit more. And, uh, you know, she asked, hey, are you okay with me doing this? And it was like, absolutely, you know, go for it. So I think there's a lot of uh, good things to have other sports in your background. You also see a lot of people who play multiple sports have to learn differently, right? Because you have to learn how this skill works and how I have to change. And so, you know, Erin Morrissey, as you said, is, is a great example of that. You know, she, she knows that she has to, to keep developing, but she's done it at different, different sports, different levels. So I'm excited about this class. It's not done yet. You know, we, we've got another member that will be joining us and, and signing soon. And, uh, you know, when we put the whole thing together, I'm really happy about the depth. I, I love the group as, as who they are as humans. And uh, I'm really just excited to get them here in College Park. And Adam, I want to get a little better sense of what recruiting is like for you. Um, going after, you know, players that are local, PG County kids like Milan versus the other two in this recruiting class are from Florida. What's the big difference between, you know, talking to kids right down the road and then you, you've got three players from Florida and, and a, a bunch of different players from all over the place. So what's the big difference for you, uh, you know, recruiting the DMV versus elsewhere? Yeah, I, I think uh, I just got to try to steal Coach Loxley's playbook. He seems to do really well in the DMV and he seems to be doing pretty well down south in Florida. So. Um, no, it, it, we always want the best players here to represent their home state or at least their region. And, uh, you know, we've had some kids from Virginia, from D.C. as well. Um, there, there's a great pipeline here. And, uh, you know, we would value people who want to, you know, represent us. And, and so we always want to have that to be the case. But we also know we have to be good around the board. We have to, you know, look at some uh, uh, different geographical areas. So, you know, Florida is turning into a really good location for, for uh, club volleyball. Texas is the same kind of deal. We have a few players from there. So we are trying to spread our wings a little bit, get outside of this, but we always want to keep uh, the best local talent here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, going forward, this team we've already talked about has a lot of seniors. Uh, so obviously the, the future is going to be super important. How far down the road uh, do you have to look? Do you have to plan 
for how you're going to be building this roster, not only next year and the year after, but in, in the years to come? Yeah, I mean, there's two things that really affected that. One was, uh, you know, giving everyone an extra year of eligibility kind of changed the dynamics of where everyone was going to be by classes. Um, a great example of that, uh, Rebecca Rath uh, played for us as an outside here this past year. She actually enrolled a whole year early, started a competition with us, played an entire season of Big Ten, did a nice job for us. She was in the 2020 class, the, the group that is here right now. Um, now she's kind of going back into her class. And so that's been huge for us. That kind of put her back in that group. And now that, that class is a little bit bigger than it was in the past. So that has been uh, the struggle or at least a challenge that most coaches across the country are trying to figure out. What does the new matrix look like? What do you need in what classes? And it has changed a lot. So um, the nice thing is with the NCAA recruiting rules, slowing down the process, the two 2022s that are really kind of making a lot of decisions right now have had a better look at what the rosters are going to be before making those decisions. So in years past, I mean, there was ninth graders and eighth graders committing to Big Ten schools. Um, that's not possible anymore. And um, I think that's a good thing because you get to know what your roster is going to look like. You know what your needs are. So we're happy with the 20 class really matching with the 21 class. And now we're just trying to plug the, the, the pieces so that, uh, you know, our future is very bright. Yeah, last thing I have for you, Adam, you mentioned that extra year of eligibility that when that was granted. It kind of flew under the radar for a lot of fall sports like volleyball. But how do you think that's going to play a role in, you know, your recruiting classes in the future? And do you know who's going to be taking that extra year? You mentioned Rebecca Rath is falling back into the, the 2020 recruiting class. But do you know if you're going to have you know, an overloaded roster in the future, and that might dictate how you recruit, too? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it changes every sport. There's two things that are probably uh, things to look at. First, we watched to see what happened with the spring sports. Um, they were dealing with this ahead of us, so we were trying to find out, you know, what was it, what was it like? What was the, the repercussions? What were the positives? What conversations did you need to have? Um, and those are obviously challenging, right? I think as a sport, the second point is that we generally don't see anyone leaving early to, to go play pro, right? We, we don't have those kind of one and dones that, that you might see in men's basketball. Um, but what this does is gives everyone a, a potential fifth year and that's more academic based. So now the challenge has become what is available for me if I want to get a master's? Is this even possible at this institution? And I think you'll see a lot more people entering across the country a transfer portal as grad transfers because you know, maybe it just doesn't, it's not possible, you know, or maybe uh, you want to get closer to home and this is a unique opportunity that's kind of a gift. So I think you'll see a lot more shifting. And that's why I'm glad that the recruiting classes that are making decisions are slowing down because you'll have a better handle. It, it's tough to, to tell someone, hey, this is what I expect your freshman year when you really don't even know what your roster is going to look like at that time. Yeah, exciting times in College Park. Adam, we appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Okay, that was the coach himself, Adam Hughes, talking about a lot of things in this COVID world, including an exciting time for him, uh, announcement of the new recruiting class. And we found out there are three members of the 2020 class, Aaron Engel, Aaron Morrissey, in Milan, Gomili. And we'll just briefly talk about, you know, how Adam feels about these three players, starting with Aaron Engel, uh, went to, you know, what you talked about, Ben, a powerhouse high school, St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, she's a setter and uh, Adam's really excited about her. Yeah, it's getting to be kind of a crowded position all of a sudden. Uh, last year we were talking about is Maryland going to have enough depth at the setter position when Nicole Alford 
went down. And now it's starting to uh, become a really deep position with Sydney Dowler, who we'll talk about more later at the center spot. And then Erin Engel, who, uh, when she gets to College Park, is going to challenge for a lot of playing time there. So it's, it's kind of a 180 from what we had last year when we were thinking, hey, who's going to be able to get enough time at the center position to really keep Maryland afloat is now going to be one of their strong suits in the future. And this is what we're talking about this episode, looking ahead at the future of Maryland volleyball. And I think that the setter position is one of the more exciting ones with Engel. Yeah, and after the season, you're expecting no Nicole Alford, even though she will be granted that extra year, uh, which we've talked about. Um, you're thinking, well, you're looking at setter, you got Sydney Dollar, and you're going to have Aaron Engel, you know, probably battling it out. So it should be very exciting uh, looking ahead to the future future. Uh, then you had Aaron Morrissey also from Florida, from Tampa area, uh, an outside hitter. So uh, hitting another uh, position, Adam Hughes is here with one of his recruits. Yeah, and when you're recruiting, you know, you have to think about uh, what's going to need to be replaced uh, in the years to come. And one of the big seniors that's going to be leaving College Park after this year, we presume, is Erica Pritchard, who is uh, the main outside hitter on this Maryland team. So how do you fill the gap that's going to be led that's going to be left when Pritchard leaves, go out and get an outside hitter, a really talented outside hitter. And that's exactly what Adam Hughes did with Morrissey. Yeah. And lastly, uh, you had the local recruit, Milan Gomillion, uh, played most positions for her team in high school, but very talented, probably going to be a defensive specialist libero uh, when she finally uh, takes a court for the Terps in the future. But Adam Hughes was really excited that he secured this local recruit for his team. Yeah, it seems like every Maryland coach that we talk to, and Kevin, you and I have talked to a lot of Maryland coaches uh, from fall sports, winter sports, spring sports, all of them stress so much about the importance of recruiting well in the DMV, in the local area around College Park, even within Prince George's County. Uh, and so that's a huge win, I know, for Adam. He's super excited about the ability to bring a local player of Gomillion's talent and of her caliber to College Park, and that opens a lot of doors in the future. Uh, yes, Gomillion is going to be a big help uh, in the immediate future, but down the line as well, when Adam Hughes is establishing relationships and using his relationships and his contacts in the DMV area to be able to say that he brought a player like Milan Gomillion to College Park to play for the Terps uh, is going to be huge. You can't really put a price on that. Yeah, first player that comes to mind on the current roster is Raynell Jones from Oxon Hill, uh, Maryland, here in Prince George's County, uh, local player that he's you know, gotten a lot, a lot of use of uh, at the front of the net. She's been a really key piece uh, for Maryland defense and on offense as well. She was there helping out Katie Myers a lot uh, in the middle of last season. Another thing we talked about uh, with Adam is the, the recruiting window shifting um, even before the pandemic, and then it was impacted again uh, since. COVID hit in, in the spring. So the times that he's talking to recruits and, and when he can, you know, to reach out and, and, and sign has changed. And he talked about that being a challenge, but everyone's going through the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not like there's something happening in College Park that is restricting Adam Hughes specifically from uh, going out and recruiting while every other program across the country uh, is running freely. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected everyone in college volleyball. It's affected everyone in ways that are, frankly, a lot more important than volleyball. Uh, but in this world of college volleyball that we're, that we're talking about, recruiting has been tough for everyone. And so it's how well can coaches adapt, how well can coaches adjust uh, and figure out how to recruit in, the, in this age of COVID-19 
Uh, and we'll, we'll see in the future how many windows this is really going to affect. Uh, hard to say at the moment. Hopefully not that many. Hopefully we'll get back uh, pretty soon to what Big Ten and what the NCAA had envisioned before. Uh, but it, it's all really about adapting right now to the situation at hand. And it might change day to day as we're seeing in college basketball. Uh, Maryland men's basketball has had, I think, three different opponents for the same game um, in, in pretty quick succession. So across college sports and including in college volleyball, it is how good of a team do you have to be to, without a doubt. That's, that's super important, but also how well can you adapt? That is going to determine the, what's going to separate the good teams from the really good teams and the really good teams from the championship caliber teams this year. Yeah, we know it's going to be interesting since we've been through this football season. Uh, we're going through the basketball seasons right now. Um, it's going it's going to be interesting. And, of course, this was the first time we talked to Adam Hughes since they were in the full swing of practice. And they had been there for, you know, a month, a couple of weeks. Um, and he really felt good about where they're at. Now they're taking a break uh, again, but he likes how they're developing. And you talked to Sydney Dollar. Uh, I wasn't there for that interview. How do you think, uh, you know, this extended preseason in the fall and taking a break and coming back and maybe playing at the end of January is going to impact, you know, those, those freshmen who are seeing the court for the first time? Well, we talked about it with Rachel as well last time out, didn't we, that for these freshmen, it's almost a blessing in disguise. I mean, obviously the circumstances surrounding uh, the reason to, to move the season back in the fall to the spring is terrible and horrible and incredibly tragic, but um, if we're speaking specifically about volleyball, the ability to have an extra semester to train and work with your team and to get acclimated to college park and the college experience and the college lifestyle is beneficial to these freshmen. Uh, and I think that's going to play out across college volleyball. I think there's going to be a lot of really, really impact freshmen uh, more so than even on the average year. Yeah, and one of those freshmen that we expect to see early on in 2021 is Sydney Dollar. Um, as I said, Ben Mench, uh, sat down with her via Zoom uh, to talk about her Maryland experience so far uh, and what she's hoping for in this 2021 season. So we are very pleased to be joined now by Sydney Dowler. Sydney, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you had kind of a, a strange introduction to Maryland coming onto campus back in January and then getting sent home in March with the rest of us. What was that kind of whiplash of an experience like getting on campus to start your career, then, you know, getting sent back home because of COVID? Yeah, it was definitely unexpected, but I came early to get extra practice in, and honestly, getting a full year of practice has been amazing, and I really feel like I've improved and gotten to know the team, and it's been a really, honestly, easy experience because everyone has made it so awesome and so fun to be there. You did a whole lot of winning at high school uh, down in North Carolina. You went 117 and six. You won four state championships. What does that kind of winning experience do for you as you move to the next level? Um, it makes me excited. Honestly, I came into a high school program that didn't have a lot of potential to start with. And um, it, we just built it from the ground up. And I am hoping to do the same thing at Maryland and bring in some excitement and enthusiasm to um, repeat the same experience. And you had a lot of personal success as well. You were named an All-American. You're just the 10th All-American in Maryland history to have that title. What kind of added pressure or excitement does having that kind of label 
bring coming into college volleyball in the Big Ten? I honestly don't feel a ton of pressure. I am so excited. I think everyone around me is so talented and they make me better every day. And I feel like I have the opportunity to do the same with them and that we're all playing at such a high level. I don't feel like a ton of pressure. I just feel excited to start something new and something I think is gonna be amazing. And this is obviously not the way that you thought freshman season would go, not the way any of us expected this season would go. As a college freshman trying to balance this flipped fall spring schedule and also just dealing with online classes and everything else that goes into attending school with the pandemic, how has your routine changed from obviously what you thought it might be? How are you kind of keeping up with all your responsibilities? Yeah, online school for me is not very fun. It's hard to focus for sure. Um, But having volleyball to rely on and all the support that they give me and Kyle has been the best at helping me and Heather. They've just been amazing and so helpful throughout the whole process of transferring to online school and just being new in general in college and the tougher the education level is and everything. But um, there's so much support within athletics that they have, they've just been with me through every step helping me. Before we let you go, Terp fans are still getting to know you. College volleyball fans are still getting to know you. So I thought we'd do a quick little lightning round uh, before we let you go. All right. Um, (laughs) Couple questions. Uh, Number one, your favorite sport outside of volleyball. I heard you're a Green Bay Packers fan. I love the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) Probably my favorite pro team of any sport. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What's one word that would describe your volleyball playing style? I'd say spunky. I like it. Uh, if you could see any one artist in concert, who would it be? Oh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, right now, I'd say Morgan Wallen. Nice. And uh, it's almost that time of the year. So what is your favorite Thanksgiving food that you're looking forward to the most? Um, hmm, this is a tough one. Apple pie. Does that count? Yeah, absolutely. That counts. Absolutely. That counts. That's a classic. That is a absolute staple yes. as well. Uh, Sydney, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Good luck this season. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was Ben Curtis talking with Maryland freshman volleyball uh, setter, Sydney Dollar. Uh, And now uh, Ben and I are going to break down uh, this freshman class, another uh, group, uh, a trio uh, that Adam Hughes brought in uh, last fall. Uh, Haven't seen the court yet, uh, of course, and it's going to be interesting what happens uh, when they do. But we'll, we'll start with Dollar, uh, the setter. Um, you talked a little bit about that in your interview. She was on a powerhouse high school volleyball team. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was on an incredibly successful volleyball team at Green Hope High School in North Carolina. They went 117-6, and six, like I said in the interview, uh, four-time state champions, just a, a lot, a lot of winning in College Park. And we talked with Sydney about how that is going to translate to the next level. And uh, Sydney, we appreciate the time. Kevin, we, we talked with Sydney about it, or I talked with Sydney about it. So I want to get your take before we move on. What was your favorite Thanksgiving food? Oh yeah, of course. Um, you know, it was, I love hearing this, uh, these responses from, from all different sources. For me, probably um, sweet potatoes or the stuffing. It's either one. Okay. Um, I respect me, that. But I'll go with stuffing because it's so unique to It's a Thanksgiving thing. Yeah, that's a Thanksgiving yeah. thing. Without a doubt. It's mac and cheese for me, if you were wondering. I know you didn't ask. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't do the mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. Of course, I 
big fan. Um, yeah, but, it's a classic. Yeah. Um, shout anyway, out my Sydney mom. Dowler had a really successful <laughs> high school career. Um, like I said, 117 and six. And we talked with her that winning at the high school level is going to come into play at the next level. Adam Hughes, especially in the Big Ten, especially when you don't need to go 18 and 0 to win the conference. Usually you're going to lose games in the Big Ten, and it's going to be about how you respond, especially in a season like this. Having that experience of winning is going to be incredibly, incredibly important. And we talked about it uh, with the 2021s. This setter group is going to be really, really deep going into the future. Um, and Sidney Dowler is certainly going to lay a claim as the setter for the future, even with Aaron Engel coming into College Park next year. Yeah, obviously with Dowler's record, she's clear really a winner and she's going to bring a winning mentality and you know I think we can underestimate the value of having that uh you know in the Xfinity Center Pavilion she's not expect she's not used to losing um so it, it should be interesting how she handles that as a freshman and you certainly expect uh an Under Armour All-American to become a leader for the Terps in the future uh other freshmen we want to cover uh Sam Sire outside hitter uh from Strongsville Ohio uh, it was second team all Ohio in 2018 um, is really uh, staked her claim to be in, in the rotation for the Terps uh, in 2021. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And she is going to find uh, some playing time. I think this year we talked about some of the absences, absences last year. Um, and Emma Schreiner is one that really sticks out to me as going to be a big loss in 2021 for Maryland uh, off the team for personal reasons. Uh, this season or off the roster for personal reasons this season. And that is the kind of role I think that Sire can uh, find her way into in 2021. And we talked about with Aaron Morrissey, about the fact that Erica Pritchard is leaving after this year. And uh, with this podcast episode being all about the future, if we look ahead to the years ahead, uh, there's a clear path for uh, a duo really of Rebecca Rath and Sam Sire to be kind of the one-two punch uh, in the future. Uh, kind of the way that Liz Twilley and Erica Pritchard were back in 2018. I think that that is a path in the future. Uh, and then with Morrissey and even more reinforcements coming to College Park soon, uh, the setter and the outside hitter positions both going to be incredibly deep going forward. Yeah, you briefly mentioned the pieces that will be missing from the 2019 roster. One of those, obviously, we've talked about it before. We talked about it with Rachel Blount. Uh, Katie Myers is not going to be in the front on that. She is in Minneapolis, uh, not going to be helping the Terps this season. Adam Hughes went out and got himself a middle blocker. Layla Ricks, uh, freshman in 2021, originally from uh, Virginia, uh, finished high school in Redondo Beach, California, and coming back uh, to this area to play for the Terps. Yeah, it's going to be super important uh, for Ricks to be able to play with Raynell Jones for a couple of years. I think that Jones is going to be a phenomenal leader for Ricks uh, over the next couple of years. Jada Gardner as well, the two of them uh, working with Layla Ricks. Raynell Jones is a junior, Jada Gardner is a redshirt junior. So you got this year and you got next year. And then if you look ahead towards, uh, what would that be? I guess 2023, fall of 2023, who's going to be middle blocker? Who's going to really be that presence at the net? It might very well be Layla Ricks. So Adam Hughes is building for the future here. And he covered just about every base that he needed to, knowing not only what his strengths are now, but knowing the classes of what his strengths are now. You think about Alfred, you think about Pritchard, and you think about Jones. 
all upperclassmen. And what Adam Hughes do, he went out and got a replacement for all three of those players for when they eventually have to leave College Park. Yeah, you look at the two most recent recruiting classes, Formula and Volleyball, you got two outside hitters, you got two setters, you got a middle blocker, and, and you have a libero. Uh, Adam Hughes covering all of his bases, and, you know, it's what you have to do when you have a small roster uh, like this volleyball team where you, you can't just get, you know, the best you can get at, at one position. Obviously, you want at least one of those at, at any given position, but you got to cover all the bases too, and it seems like Hughes is doing that. Yeah, it's almost like if we want to kind of relate this towards people who might be uh, new to volleyball or, or entering the, the kind of college volleyball fandom, you can think about the NFL draft when you can really kind of guess, get who's best available. That's more of a basketball style of recruiting or a football style of recruiting. Uh, when you get seven rounds that you can kind of take whoever it is that might be the best talent for you. And then uh, what Adam Hughes is doing is more like what we just saw with the NBA draft. You get two rounds, you have a very specific set of needs and you go out and you get the players who can fit that very specific set of needs. And that's what Adam Hughes has done really well. Yeah, that's right. And Ben, I think we talked about Thanksgiving and all that. That was nice. We're, we're through that in, in the uh, next step of the holiday season. Um, it's, I think it's trivia time, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm checking my watch. Uh, it, it does say it's trivia. It, it's actually half past trivia. but Oh, so we're late. Uh, yeah, that's, it's all right. That's on me. And yeah, we, we might be a little bit, but we still, we still should give the people what they want, which is the answer to the trivia question from last week, who is the only member of the current Maryland volleyball roster who is from Florida. That is Rebecca Rath, who we mentioned a bit earlier from Altamonte Springs outside of Orlando. This week, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We have to keep people on their toes. We have to you know, expect the unexpected if you're listening to Block Party. Uh, so this isn't really a trivia question so much as it is a general poll question. We want to hear from you. What are you most looking forward to about the start of the 2021 spring volleyball season? Uh, you can send your answer to us in a whole number of different ways. You can tweet us at WMUC Sports. You can direct message us at WMUC Sports on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter uh, at Ben underscore Curtis 12. Um, Kevin, your, what's your Twitter username? McNulty underscore 219. Fantastic. You can... Find either of us on Twitter as well. Direct message us as well with what you think uh, you are most looking forward to about the spring 2021 season. I know the rules usually are for trivia that you can't look this up. So I guess that kind of, that kind of stands because that wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you could try, but I don't think you could. I wouldn't stop anyone from, you know, researching the team, you know, what to expect, you know, re reading some articles uh, about, Maryland volleyball and getting themselves ready. Uh, I would appreciate actually some some preparation uh, before you send us these answers. You could even listen if you haven't before to the first three episodes of Block Party, available That's on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Go back listen to them if you haven't before. That that would be some solid preparation work, I think. Yeah, we covered a whole lot of Maryland volleyball already. Now we're talking about the future. Might not apply to this upcoming spring season, uh, but certainly uh, recap those first three episodes. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, before we let you go, uh, we do want to mention uh, some news uh, that came down a little bit earlier. A big shout out to Adam Hughes. Volleyball for the second year in a row had a perfect graduation success rate of 100%. Uh, and Kevin, that really just speaks to the culture that Adam Hughes is bringing 
uh, to College Park as a head coach, not only with success on the court uh, this year he's looking to do, but also off the court uh, with, with all the culture and all the success that he is bringing uh, to College Park. Yeah, a lot of programs pride themselves on their academic success, and Maryland Volleyball is certainly one of them. I mean, they have a great academic support staff over there in the Xfinity Center, uh, and, you know, it seems to still be working in this time of online school, um, uh, and Maryland is very proud of that 100% uh, graduation success rate for the second year in a row. Yeah, big shout out to Adam Hughes and the entire support staff for that. It isn't just Adam, Kyle Thompson, all everyone else as well in the staff for Maryland to make sure uh, that their academics are as good as they can be. Kevin, this was a lot of fun. This was our future podcast episode looking at what's ahead for Maryland volleyball. We were able to talk about a lot. We didn't get one interview in. We got two interviews in, uh, and it was a great time. Yeah, big episode. I, I know now I'm thinking if we have a season next fall, you know, we're going to be going back to this episode and talking about what we got what, right and what we got wrong. I would imagine it's going to be a mixed bag of both. Yeah, I think you will probably get more right. I'll probably get more wrong. Uh, but we can we can let that be in December of 2021 uh, with hopefully a season then as well. Until then, though, hopefully we'll have an episode. Out. We'll have an episode out before then. Uh, to without a doubt. Now you can knock on wood on that one. We'll have an ep- another episode coming up for you real soon. But until we do, he's Kevin. I'm Ben. This has been episode number four of Block Party. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. Bye.